0: Welcome back to the MicroConf Podcast. This is another MicroConf Refresh episode where we look back at some of the best talks from the past 10 years of MicroConf. Today, we'll be listening to the audio tracks from two of our attendee talks. These are talks submitted by attendees of MicroConf and then selected through a voting process, by the other attendees. And these two talks are from MicroConf Europe 2019. The first is titled How to Survive Building a Business and a Family at the Same Time by Jeppe Lisberg. And the second is a frank talk about fear and how to deal with it by Sergei Koltov. Before we dive into those, I wanna let you know that tickets to our in person microconfs are on sale. We have microconf locals, which are our one day events in Portland, Oregon, Austin, Texas, and Boston, Massachusetts. And then microconf growth in Europe is in Dubrovnik, Croatia for one more year. And those events are taking place in September and early October. So head to microconf.com, look for our in-person events, and you can see the exact dates there. I'm going to be at all of them. I'd love to see you if you're able to make it. You know, we put the local events together as inexpensive one-day events. The ticket prices are right around $100, and the events are... A bit more intimate because there's only about 75 to 100 people, most of whom will be driving in. So you'll actually have the chance to network with and meet up with folks who probably live, you know, in or around the city where the events are hosted. And then, of course, our flagship Europe event in Croatia, where folks will be coming in from, well, really all over the place, from the U.S. and and Western Europe and, and other parts of the world. So it would be great to see you there if you can make it. And with that, let's dive into our two attendee talks today. These are great, you know, 10 to 12 minute talks, a brief look at the experience of Microconf attendees who are trying to build and grow their ambitious startups. The First is how to survive building a business and a family at the same time. And then we'll roll right into a frank talk about fear and how to deal with it. I hope you enjoy them.
1: Um, yeah. When I was 17, I somehow ended up in a sweat lodge with an elder asking, on the day that you die, what will, be, what will you think of as the most valuable thing you did with your life? So would you think, oh, I wish I had watched more Netflix. Would you think, gee, I wish I bought more stuff. So it's not like there's any right or wrong answers to this question, but we tend to get real with what's essential and what's not when thinking of it this way. When the time comes for me, I'd like to be thinking, I'm so grateful that I had so much freedom, love, inspiration, and meaning in my life. And I'm so happy that I passed these feelings to the people that I love around me. So how do you end up dying like that? It's definitely easier said than done. One thing I realized is that taking investment in my business would most probably not bring me any closer to that goal. Why? Well, I'm going to cite Dan Martell and, sorry, Rob and Tiny Seed, if I'm... Uh, stepping on your business here, but uh, investments are for scaling a profitable business. Anything else is going to take the control away from you and into the hands and minds of those who do not care about your why. And if you like, we can discuss afterwards. Another thing I realized was that rushing for growth, by all means, would not either. Why? Why? Because when you are under pressure in one aspect of life, family, for example, stability and security are critical. That's why so many people never realize their dreams. In my case, I've had periods where I was under a lot of pressure and to work on marketing tasks was draining my energy, whereas improving the product energized me. So that's what I focused on in those periods, knowing that I was sacrificing the growth that a better marketing effort would have given me. So, to be able to stay in control and grow slowly, I chose to build a business in a niche that's part of a vast industry. My main inspiration to do so was a small Danish company called Churchdesk. Anybody heard of them? There's one! Wow, that's, that's cool. Okay. So Churchdesk is, they're making a a CMS or internet-like solution to churches, and they focused at that point on Protestant churches at the west coast of Danish region, Jutland. So that's kind of niche to me. But it's also a pretty darn clear target group, and a homogenous one as well. They pretty much all need precisely the same features, and they don't need anything too complicated. So if Churchdesk could do business like that, it should, I should be able to do as well. See, I don't need a huge turnover to get to a point where my ultimate goal is in reach. All I need is financial independence. So this strategy seemed to be for me. The business I created was a SaaS one, and the product focuses on salespeople doing cold calling. We fill a gap in the CRM market while tailoring a workflow for the low prestige and often neglected top-of-the-funnel became our niche. And what you see here is one of the very early landing pages for the product. So at the time I nailed this, I had been doing a handful of startups in different constellations. I had been out running after the money men on several occasions. And I had failed in multiple different ways. I also met my wife and son, who was nearly two years old when I met them, and we had decided To get another child together. At this point, we needed stability and security. So I decided to go for the long haul. I took a day job and worked on my phone in the evenings and weekends. This seemed like a sound decision. And the way was paved for my success. But then, life got harder. My wife has a, had a pretty bad concussion. She's still not back working full-time after five years. At the age of six, my son made a drawing of his family in school. It was his mother in bed and his father sitting in front of his computer working. Devastating reality. I had to get up in the morning Feed the kids, bring them to kindergarten and school, go to work to make money, pick up the kids in the afternoon, buy groceries, cook food, clean the kitchen, put the kids to bed, and then work on my phone. My wife could do one of these things every day, but only one. As time passed, my wife became more and more desperate and nervous about her concussion, worrying if she would ever be her old self again. Naturally, this was a worry of mine as well. So something had to happen. I was not happy in my day job, and I was frustrated that nothing I cared about, neither my wife, my kids, or my startup, could get the care and attention they needed. I believe many people experience something similar at some point and for some it leads to divorce or giving up on their dreams or failing to raise their children with love and care and attention. It's a real crisis and there are no easy answers. No solution offers real relief. So does anybody in this room resonate with this? One, two, three, four, five, okay. More, small hands, okay, good. Thank you guys. <laughs> I hear stories, when I tell my story, people start talking. And I think a lot of people experience crisis, maybe not exactly the same, but we experience crisis along the way. So I had to figure out what to do. But it was not easy, I felt stuck. I don't think I need to explain to you guys why I couldn't just give up on my startup. It's in our blood, right? I would die a slow, painful death by only working for other people. Obviously, I couldn't fail my kids. I couldn't stop making money and I couldn't leave my sick wife. But I also couldn't continue like this for long. It was mentally unhealthy and would lead to stress, burnout, conflict, dysfunctional kids, and not the freedom, love, inspiration, and meaning I was striving for. So, eventually we took three actions. I quit my job. We sold the apartment and moved to the countryside and started spending a nice uh, portion of our monthly budget on therapy. From then on, things started to improve slowly. It's cheaper to live in a house in the countryside than in central Copenhagen. My employer offered me work as a freelancer instead and I could suddenly make the money I needed working part-time this way. My phone kept growing slowly and eventually it overtook freelancing as the primary source of revenue in my company. My wife got better, and our kids, of which we now have three, are relatively sane. And um, apparently I'm um, adhering to the tradition by showing pictures of my family here. So, today, I'm inches away from making the money I need to sustain my current lifestyle from my phone or alone. Which basically, after adjusting ambition and being thoughtful about the meaning of life many times, means that I'm inches away from living my dream. All right. So, takeaways. Here's a few takeaways that I think may be valuable first, we've heard it before, it's like, you know, pick your niche. There you go. Picking my niche within the vast area of CRM systems, uh, you heard Stanley say it's like um, a little bit competitive space, but it's also a huge space, and there's room for niche products. And it meant less pressure on performance in terms of growth. That's because I can adjust my price for the limited number of features I have as long as a core functionality is nailed. I have many customers who only need very, very core features. And if the price remains low enough, I can compete on that alone. And from there, I can add features in the pace that I decide and extend my audience slowly, all based on feedback and requests from current customers. So, picking your niche. And then... Be in control, I'm actually quite often reassured that even though it took a long time and was an economic struggle at times, then not taking any investment up until this point has been the right thing for me to do. Being able to put things on standby at times to prioritize and care for my family has been key to staying sane and staying together. To have my startup also be my hobby by working on the tasks I find energizing was helping me get through some of the tough times. And crisis is opportunity. So I've heard people say that in Chinese, the word crisis is composed of two characters. One represents danger and the other represents opportunity. So my story proved that, that to me in a few ways. For example, there's nothing I regret about quitting my job. There's nothing I regret about moving to a wonderful house in the countryside. And there's really nothing I regret about attending therapy sessions. I'm actually really, really happy about it. But if it hadn't been for the crisis, we may not have been doing it like that. And the last thing I have for you today is keep thinking about the day that you die. Thank you.
2: So, about Four months ago, I found myself in a, let's say, stressful situation. Uh, my wife and I recently moved to uh, this little city, Lisbon. We, uh, my wife is pregnant uh, with, her first ba- with our first baby. Uh, we have some problems with our official papers. Um, my business is not doing as well as I expected. And the money flow is actually way lower than, again, I expected. So it's a lot of small things. And I started to feel pressure and uh, anxiety. And I realized that it, it actually hindered my ability to perform well, to do my best. So it was time to do something. So my name is Sergei. And to, uh, today I'm going to talk about fear and how I learned to deal with it in the last... Four months, but first let's uh, let's uh, have a first uh, first survive. So, which of you have ever experienced fear? Please raise your hand. Okay, pretty much everyone. So, for for rare few who didn't raise, well, are yeah, just lazy because fear is a natural survival mechanism. So it's with us the day we are born. So it prevents us doing crazy stuff like this, or that. And everyone here should thank their accessors for being faithful enough so they survived and passed genes, so we can sit here and enjoy the view and coffee and etc. But as fear is a natural, there are three main mechanisms uh, uh, our brain cope with it. So, two are very, very well known, so is flight. The first one is flight, so when we fear something, we run. And in business context, if you're an entrepreneur and you have uh, hundreds of responsibilities that you need to, to deal with and uh, a lot of stuff, so you can start thinking, okay, maybe i just go for a normal job, right? So, just, uh, maybe I just uh, do some, uh, uh, some, some normal job and getting a uh, better salary in most cases <laughs> and uh, I don't have to deal with, uh, with a stupid accounting and... Uh, uh, paychecks, and et cetera. The second mechanism is obviously fight, right? And uh, when we can run the fight, and while this one is actually really useful in many cases, it has one very bad, very uh, bad consequence that uh, we can see and I experience a lot is what's called overwork, right? When we start, uh, when I, we start working 10, 12, 14 hours per day, uh, thinking, okay, I can handle that just one more month, two more months and I can get, uh, get my big achievement and after that just lay down for a few months trying to recuperate. The third one, the third mechanism is obviously uh, less well-known less well and it's called freeze. It's when we don't run, we don't fight. We just stay in one place hoping that uh, the predator goes away. And in business uh, in business, it's, uh, we experience it also a lot. It's called procrastination, right? When we don't go for hard, uh, when we don't go for uh, most uh, uh, most difficult task. When we, for example, instead of uh, calling a client, uh, we start reading books or go for conferences. It's also kind of procrastination. Uh, so, as as I describe it, I hopefully. You you see that you experience it as well. So, what uh, there are five mechanisms I found. Five techniques I found that helped me most of all. And the first one is actually, oh my, yeah, is hiring a therapist uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or coach. In my case, it was a therapist. uh, Regular sessions, and I find it, I found it immensely useful, right, to have someone you can freely talk to on a regular basis. And uh, I mean, I talk to my wife, I talk to my friends, I talk to fellow uh, founders, but it's still not the same. So when you have a person who who know how to ask direct pointed questions to you and help you to navigate uh, through all the mess that's going in the head. Uh, And what my therapist helped me, my coaching session helped me is to actually connect. uh, I'm the logical person and my uh, my therapist helped me to connect uh, the logical part of me with my uh, emotional part, and it actually helped me a lot to to go through uh, through the uh, anxiety that is uh, that is yeah, was inside me. The second part, uh, and I, again, uh, that's, uh, the the second technique. Uh, and uh, uh, my my uh, my therapist helped me to improve it. It's called track the roots. The thing is, when we experiment fear, when we experience, uh, when we experience fear and we experience anxiety, is that sometimes we don't, uh, uh, we don't fear there, but like the real problem that is in front of us, that's right now. We actually feel uh, something that this problem represents some pain that it represents in the past. Uh, for example, in my case, I, uh, I had problems to. Uh, to, uh, to say no to clients, yes, I was kind of afraid, okay, if I say no to this client, so if he leaves, or if she doesn't leave, something like that. Obviously, I coped with it much earlier, but it helped me, to, uh, these sessions helped me to realize, to track the, down the route that it actually took, uh, took places uh, from my childhood. In my childhood, when my uh, parents set very high expectation to me, and I was actually afraid to not to lead to this expectation and I moved it from my childhood to my, to my business life. So, tracking the roots is extremely, extremely important and helpful to look at it, to look at your fears from, from the different angle. Uh, the third technique is actually physical exercises <laughs> and uh, many, uh, many developers uh, hate that, but it's really, really helpful. Uh, because our bodies and our emotions are interconnected, and for example, if you if you're in a bad mood and you make yourself smile, uh, then your, your your mood goes up. It's uh, uh, the same is actually with anxiety and with, uh, uh, with fear because uh, our emotions our our emotions results in muscle tension, in headaches sometimes, nausea, and. Uh, when we when we re- release the pressure from muscles, the anxiety also goes away. So I was kind of uh, skeptical uh, to that in the beginning, but right now, for example, when I experience some uh, some issues, uh, some uh, some difficult problem that I fear, I just uh, I just go for, for a training, and in an hour I'm just a new person and ready to <laughs> to climb the Everest again. Uh, the thought technique. It's, a, it's kind of uh, not intuitive one, and you can use it when you are in this negative cycle of fear. When you, for example, for example, yeah, you, you didn't reply to the email uh, to your client in time, and you start thinking, uh, or you uh, you start thinking, okay, I haven't replied. What this uh, this client thinks about me right now? Uh, Maybe she thinks that I'm irresponsible, okay? She thinks I'm irresponsible. Maybe she thinks that, I don't, uh, that uh, she starts thinking, I don't, want, I don't want to work with this company because there's like irresponsible people working there. But the thing is, here we, uh, we start, uh, so we, we fear actually not the real situation, but our imagination. And there, uh, the trick to deal with that is actually to go for the worst, right? Like start, uh, I mean, you, you have imaginations. Try to imagine the worst that could actually happen. Uh, like, again, looking at the example, uh, you didn't reply to, uh, to the mail in time. Okay, now imagine, okay, so what's, what's the client think? The client thinks, okay, I'm, uh, you're irresponsible. So maybe it's, it's probably stopped working with you. But what could go worse? Oh, what could worse is that the clients start calling your other clients and saying, hey, <laughs> yeah, this person isn't responsible, what's next? I mean, you have no clients, What next? You have to fire the whole of uh, your whole team. And as you go this cycle, imagine the worst, you start realizing how ridiculous it looks like, and how low the probability of this event. But, <laughs> and it opens again, you uh, then have an angle that actually uh, it's it's not as worse as it's possible. And the last technique uh, which uh, which I use and it's mostly the, related to uh, product uh, product development is uh, using time blocks. So as a founder uh, as a product owner, I have some big vision for it, and I i worry about it yes so i worry about so how this vision uh, how uh, uh, how my current actions so how my current actions uh, how my daily steps are in line with this vision right so how fast i'm going to uh, to achieve that and uh, how, what routes uh, i have to uh, i have to take to reach it as fast as possible and at one moment in time i realized that these worries this constant uh, this constant thinking about, okay, so if, if my like, daily actions are in line with my vision, uh, prevented me to do my daily task uh, effectively. So this is why I started using time blocks. What it is? It's basically what I do. I say, okay, uh, one, two hours per month, when I'm planning my month, for example, it's the time when I'm allowed to worry about other stuff. So I'm worried about vision. I worry about so how it's in line, how is uh, in line with everything I'm going to do. But as soon as I start pla- as I start as I stop planning, as, I, as soon as I start implementing what, what I plan, I stop worrying myself. So this is kind of a mental trick. The same you can do for like weekly planning, uh, daily planning, early planning, whatever you choose. So these were five techniques. I I found very useful in the last four months and they helped me a lot. So uh, please use them if you find uh if you find that they fits you. And remember that uh, I mean after all development is a is a long road, so uh, enjoy every step in it and be proud of you every day. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much for joining me again for this MicroConf Refresh episode. If you aren't subscribed to this podcast, it's really easy to do. Just click that subscribe button. And if you haven't given us a five-star rating in whatever podcatcher you use to listen to podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. we will be back in your earbuds again next week.